Welcome to the pilot episode of the Ishtar Collective podcast. If you've stumbled across this podcast, then you probably already know who we are. But if not, the Ishtar Collective is a website dedicated to categorizing and summarizing in-game lore from Destiny the Game. You can find us at ishtar-collective.net and on Twitter at ishtarcoll. That's Ishtar C-O-L-L. In our first episode, we're going to discuss the first Crota fire team, also known as Eris Morn's ill-fated fire team, the story of how six guardians tried and failed to defeat Crota. I'm Baxter, the founder of the Ishtar Collective, and I'm joined by Purple Chimera. Hey, I'm Purple <laughs> Chimera. I'm the lead archivist at the Ishtar Collective. And we are also joined by Normal Norman. Hi, I'm Normal Norman. I'm the lead engineer at the Ishtar Collective. So, with the introductions out of the way, let's go through the timeline. So, where does the story of the first Crota fire team begin? Well, I think it mostly starts at Mare Imbrium. Um, Crota comes to the moon. Guardians decide to attack the moon. Crota kills everyone that comes to the moon, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Including Waning. Waning being someone who is obviously extremely important to Ariana 3. We don't know the exact nature of their relationship, but they were obviously pretty close because Ariana 3 is pretty upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. And And all of this information comes from Ghost Fragment Warlock 2. That's that's the earliest card in the first Crota Fire Team timeline that we know of. There were references to finding the Hive on the moon prior to this, right? But this was sort of the the first event where Crota is known to be there. Is that right? Yes, I think so. I think you are correct as well, because we wouldn't have gone to the moon if we hadn't known they were there. So I'm, I'm just doing a quick search for Crota... Um, just to see if there's anything. I think that Ghost Fragment Warlock Two is the first time that the the Guardians are aware that Crota exists. Right. They know that the Hive are there because they plan the attack. And it oh, like- oh yeah. It, but, it's. Sorry. You know, it, just seems, it seems like at this point there's not much of the deep hive knowledge that's sort of made its way through the the you know what's going to be the Crota Fire team, being that Tolan is not there, which we'll get to. But at that point, there may not be the knowledge of the hive gods in general. It's just that there is a race um, called the Hive that exists, and, and they're doing something on the moon. Ray's lighter. It's the Ray's lighter card. Yes, oh, that's what I was looking for. Because it it's when at Burning Lake, whatever that means, that they barely it says they, they barely eked out a victory. They know that the hive are there. They obviously don't know a lot about them or how to fight them very well. Yeah. So so Ray's Lighter takes place before the battle at Marimbrium or Mar Mary Imbrium. I'm not hundred percent sure how we pronounce that. I probably shouldn't have mentioned that. 
I say, <laughs> I say mare imbrium. Yeah. Um, I'm, I think it's Latin, which means it should be mare. I don't know. I don't speak Latin. Which maybe, okay, maybe it isn't important. Anyway, I'll just pronounce it the same way as you do for now, because it probably makes things easier. So, yes, Ray's Lighter takes place before Mary Imbrium, um, and in that card, Shax is very concerned that the attack on the moon is taking place too soon. Yeah, that they don't have enough information. Uh, so so the, the Guardians are attacking the moon to discover Crota. Meanwhile, Ariana has captured a wizard. It's hard to decide if, if this... Warlock 2 card happens at the same time that the battle is taking place, and so she's getting these flashes of current events, like in real time, or if the battle has already happened and the wizard is telling her about it. Well, it could even be possible that the events that she sees haven't happened yet. Yeah, that's true as well. I mean, I guess we we don't really know. All we know is that Ariana interrogates the wizard and sees a vision of Wei Ning um, being killed. Well, it says in the opening paragraph, but the battle goes against us. So I guess the battle is at least currently happening. Yeah. They're at least fighting right now, even if the battle hasn't finished yet. So do we actually (laughs) know if, if Ariana was fighting in this battle or if she was more strategic and trying to gain information about how to defeat Crota at that point. Um, Because it seems like once she has possession of this wizard, she's no longer in the fight. She's effectively torturing it to try to gain insight. Yeah, it's it's hard to know if she went to the moon and caught a wizard and brought it back and is, is interrogating it, or if someone brought it to her. We're not really sure. There are actually a lot of questions because we don't know how many Guardians took place in the battle. We know that it was a lot because it was a significant loss for the vanguard, but it it, it could be possible. I mean, we know that certain guardians weren't present, so it seems like not everybody took part in the battle. It may be that Ariana, I, I would imagine if Ariana was on the moon, she must have been part of the battle, but maybe as the battle turned against them, she left to try and find some other way of, of kind of turning the battle back back in the Guardian's favor. Which she, she definitely did whenever she sought the help of Toland. So timing-wise, we just don't know if it was, you know, the, the events of the, the battle have sort of all completed and then the, the wizard was a captive as a result and then the seeking out of Toland's help. But somewhere in there, that's the end result, right? They, they end up with Toland, Eris, and Ariana 3 um, have consulted him. Yeah. After Ariana 3 tortures this wizard and gets the information, she and Eris decide to consult Toland, the, quote, exiled master of Hive Arcana. So that tells us that we know he's already exiled. How soon do we think Ariana contacted Toland after the events at Mare Imbrium? If I were Ariana and this happened to my friends, I would want to act pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. After getting information from this wizard about Crota, and he seems pretty much invincible, but I have this burning need for revenge, I'm going to do whatever I can to get enough power to get back. 
So I think it's pretty quickly. We really have no idea. There's at least a quick period of time where they're fleeing the moon. Because at the end of Ghost Ragnarok Warlock 2, it says, get your sparrows, we have light and fury, that will be enough. Um, and we know they don't go back after Crota at that point, so it seems like they're literally just fleeing. And then how long it takes to find Tolan or, or any of that, since he is exiled, we have no idea. Yeah, it could be that Ariana and Eris, as soon as they get back to the tower, start trying to contact him, but it takes three months to find him, right, because he's exiled. <laughs> In the card Crota's End, it says, In our world, Crota seemed invincible. Together, Eris mourn and die, worked the problem, but found no hope. So we sought forbidden knowledge, the exiled master of Hive Arcana. That, to me, implies that they spent at least some time. So, it seems likely that Ariana went to work straight away with the help of Eris to try and find a way to defeat Crota. But they must have spent some time trying to figure that out before they realized that they had to get outside help. So it seems to me, I mean, I'm not sure about that last line in um, Ghost Fragment Warlock 2, get your sparrows, we have light and fury, that will be enough. That almost sounds, sorry, you go. I was going to say, it sounds like they're going back to the fight. We, We were trying to get this information, this wizard has no useful information to us. You know, kill it. Let's go back and fight. We're mad enough to win. <laughs> but what do you think, Norman? Does that sound... It sounds like you had a different idea. Well, I think the you know general idea of let's go back and fight is right. I think they don't have the numbers. They know they don't have the numbers. So for them, the fight at that point is investigation and trial and error or learning more about the hive. To your point of they probably tried some things before reaching out to Tolan or were waiting to hear back from him in his exile. So I think that would make sense. Cool. So they seek Toland. Toland tells them what he's learned about the Hive and that they're awful. And she goes to gather a fire team of Omar, Aga, Saimoda, and Vel Tarlo to make six. So after forming the fire team, using the knowledge that Toland's given them, the six of them make their way to the Hellmouth. And this begins their journey to try and defeat Crota. Yes. So the next series of cards, as far as events go, are all the cards for enemies that we fight in-game that are Mm -hmm. records of conversations, right? So we have Sardon, the Fist of Crota, the Blades of Crota, Eyes of Crota, Hand of Crota, Might of Crota, and Heart of Crota. We don't necessarily know that they fought all of these. They certainly chased them. So the order that these cards occur in, we're not 100% sure about. On the Ishtar Collective, within this category, we've put them in an order that seems approximately correct, but it's difficult to say for certain what, what the right order is. Uh, we, 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 know the, we know the early cards, we know the late cards, because by the end, certain people have died. But the cards in the middle, we're not 100% sure that they're definitely in the right order. They don't give us a lot of insight into the enemies as much as they give us information about the guardians. Right. Yeah, it's really it's it's um it's a collection of conversations that the guardians have between each other as they progress on their journey. Right. To me, I got more information about the personality of these guardians than I got about information about the hive get a lot of personality for Vel Tarlo and really kind of pinning him down as almost a quintessential titan. 
you know, just all about taking the weapons of the enemy and beating the death with those and, and that kind of thing. And Toland as well. When the Dark Below was released, these cards were the first indication of Toland. This this is this is the first time that we as readers met Toland. And as they progress through the Hellmouth, we learn a lot about his personality. We are told that he is he's mad. Uh, we know that he's been exiled, but this is actually a first-hand account of his his madness, of his personality. It's definitely interesting to learn about these characters, especially since they, for such a small amount of time being significant, they had a huge impact on the story. Yeah, definitely. Also for, for Toland, um, this is a slight tangent, but because Tolan was so interested in, in the Hive as a race, this was a bit of a two-way street for him. He was helping out with the Crota Fire team, but he also seems to have leveraged this as a way to gain even more knowledge. And it does seem that one of the main motivating factors for Toland to go on this journey is because he had learned of the, the Death Song. And I'm not sure if we know at this point if he fully understands the idea of the Hive Throne Worlds. It seems like he mentions some of the aspects of the the Blades of Crota being world carvers, but is that something he really understands in terms of um, the full impact and relationship to the Throne Worlds, or is it something where he's just starting to gain this insight, and once he gets further down the line and the, the raid against Crota and Crota's end, he actually uncovers the idea of a hive throne world again bit of speculation but (laughs) well it's a i think it's a good question it's really hard to say how much toland knew going in it could be that he didn't know anything about throne worlds that he didn't know anything um really about the the ascendant plane uh that, that we understand at this point but it's possible that he did already know all of those things he really did seem to play his cards very close to his chest. So shall we go into the fire team a little bit more? Who are these these guardians? Yeah, that's a that's a really good idea. So the one that we that I guess we know the most about is Eris Morn. But I'm not sure if we should start with her. <laughs> I put her at the bottom for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's do the easy ones first. Vel Tarlow, we know he is a titan of the Pilgrim Guard. He spent a lot of time leading refugees to safety, and that he was killed by Alec Hul, the Darkblade. So we get to avenge him, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> and like we mentioned earlier, he seems very like the quintessential titan. Whatever happens, I will beat it up until it stops. <laughs> kind of guy. Yeah, so there's some Great quotes. Do you want to read some of the quotes there, Norman? Sure. The two by Vel himself. Yeah. It's about the only thing that matters, victory. Um, and also, and I think this was in conversation with one of the uh, the aspects of Crota that we encounter, um, and the conversation was about finding uh, materials or weapons from the Hive. But his quote is, huh, to cleave our enemies with their own tools of destruction, we should be so lucky. There was another um, reference to him as well in the Enemy of My Enemy mission, where Eris references Veltarlo and says something to the effect of, oh, I'm pulling it up right now, um, that he had underestimated some of the hive. I think, in fact, 
there's a wave of thrall coming out of the um, the not the rift but the um, what do they call it in there? the rupture. There's a wave of thrall that comes out of the rupture on the dreadnought, and she says, um, "Do not underestimate them as Tarlo did," which I think has an interesting implication that may he may have got into a tricky situation with thrall during the Crota raid. Yeah, that is interesting because um, we know that Vel Tarlo was killed by Alakul. At least I'm, I'm pretty certain he was. Is it, I, I'm not sure what, what the source for that was. But we know that Veltalo was killed by Alakul. So it's interesting, you know, if we didn't know that, we might presume, based on, on that piece of information from Eris, that he was defeated by a wave of, of Thrall. Well, when we fight Alakul, he ha- seems to have waves of Thrall that support him. Um, I don't know if that's... You know the same kind of army around him that he had during the the original Crotazen fight, but it could be something along those lines. It's effectively reenacting that. Yeah, that's true. Okay, is there anything else we want to say about Veltalo? I think that pretty much wraps him up for now. <laughs> cool. So then, next guardian um, is Omar Aga. Uh, who was a hunter killed by the heart of Croda? And one of the things that we that we know about Omar is that he had his light peeled from him, presumably to feed unborn hive. Ouch! <laughs> yeah. Seems pretty painful. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I mean, I, 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 this is a tangent, but it it does seem as though light isn't necessarily something that's given to guardians. It's almost as if Light is is perhaps the reason why a guardian is chosen. It it seems like it, it could be something. This is this this is kind of getting into a slightly philosophical area, so maybe we shouldn't <laughs> go down that route. No, right. It's definitely interesting, yeah. And I always kind of assumed, and maybe there was some bit of lore that was tied to this, but the aspects that we have in terms of intellect, discipline, and strength um, actually kind of map to an overall ability of or, or containing of light itself. And I think there was some conversation with the ghost in the game at some point about looking for guardians or people that had these aspects. And they were essentially set up to be guardians because of their strong personalities or, or you know, some some of those aspects kind of contributing to the ability to be a guardian. I just found, going back to Veltaro for one second, um, mm-hmm. on the item Darkblade Helm, there's a quote from Eris Morn, however credible she is. That says Alec Hull, the Dark Blade, is laid low, and thus Veltarlo is avenged. Which which item is that? Because I want to make a note of it. <laughs> it's the Dark Blade Helm. Okay. So I'm just going to add that as a reference on the Veltarlo category. Because I don't think we mentioned that. So back to Omar. Yes. Th- this idea of having um, the light peeled away from the, from the Guardian. There was... Some of the description of the torture of the wizard, uh, granted there's very, you know, very uh, sparse description, but it seems like to some degree it was almost along these lines and that this could have been somewhat revenge, although there may be a, a bit of a, a speculation. Definitely seems like it was kind of a similar process. Um, I've got a good uh, quote by Omar Aga, if you want me to read that. Yeah. So on the hood of the spawn, uh, which I believe is a hunter cloak, the quote is, uh, Tolan cracked the rune, or led us to believe he did. I told him it was either that, or the hive have a hell of a recipe for beer. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good quote, and it does it does imply that 
Omar is maybe one of the more kind of he, he's, he's got a sense of humor. He's kind of a, a friendly guy to be around, I guess. In the cards that we were talking about earlier that are the records of their conversations, he almost exclusively asks questions. <laughs> there are very few of his lines that are not questions, which you could read a couple of different ways. You could read he wants to have as much information as possible, so he keeps asking all these questions to try to gain more knowledge. Or you could say he's just annoying, <laughs> it, like a kid who keeps going, why? Well, what about this? Why? Why? So it depends yeah. on how you read it, but definitely asking lots of questions. I think it's interesting. So I was just looking at the Omnigal card, and Eris says those screams... And you can almost imagine Eris saying that. And Omar's reply is, and I was just starting to tune them out. Which I think is a really good, you know, it, it, it kind of, it almost feels like Eris and Omar's relationship could be perhaps similar to Eris and Cade's relations, relationship. Although obviously by that point, Eris has evolved, let's say. Yeah, let's say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's hard to know what the exact nature of the relationship between these five people. I'm going to leave Toland out uh, because he doesn't really fit with the rest of the group except for being a kind of guide. In the card where Ariana says she's going to find them, she just lists them like I'm going to ask these people for help. There's no explanation as to why she picked these guardians as opposed to any of the others. To me, that implies that these are people that she is at least somewhat close to, that she trusts and wor has worked with in the past, as opposed to just like making a call on the tower intercom. Like, hey, who wants to go try to kill Crota? <laughs> <laughs> so shall we go on to Sai Mota? Yeah. So Sai Mota is another hunter, like Omar. We believe she was killed by Omnigo. Let me just see if I can find. So in um, in the, the item Acolyte Rung, it says, Mota was so close, clawing her way out with bones torn from the Acolytes. Her fall, Omnigo. You honour her. We don't know what kind of hunter Omar was. We just know he was a hunter. It seems to imply that Saimoda is a blade dancer. At least she has a lot of quotes and references to using knives and using the acolyte's bones as knives and things like that, which seems to me like a very blade dancer kind of thing, as opposed to a gunslinger. Yeah, I can see that. Right, and the, the quote you have listed in the notes by Saimoda, my knives are eager for another dance. I think that kind of implies blade dance right there. One of my other favorite quotes from Sai is um, actually on the uh, King's Fall quest line, where the night before they go into the pit, and she says, Toland, stop recording this. Fine, fine, whatever. A toast, then, to the best damn fire team I've ever worked with. We may not be the smartest, and we may not be the bravest, but we are the dumbest. 
to victory. <laughs> yeah, that, that's such a good quote. And it, I think it's kind of... Uh, I know some people criticize the, that they say, well, they must have done a bad job going in and, you know, failing to defeat Crota. But I think that's a little unfair because one theory that I read that I thought was really interesting is that until we silenced the ritual that the hive were carrying out that was draining the traveler of its light and until we had destroyed the the heart of the black garden, all guardians' light levels were reduced. So they actually went into the, the hellmouth with less light than than we did when we went into the, the Hellmouth. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Of course, it's just a theory. It's it's all speculation. We don't have any evidence that that's that that's the case. But I thought it was interesting. It's 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 really easy to to criticize the Crota Fire team. So Ariana three, we'll kind of circle back to her for a minute. An exo warlock. Do we know what kind of warlock she is? I don't think we do. I no. think the majority of the Praxic Order was believed to be Sunsingers. Um, maybe I'm making that up. Let me see if I can find a reference to that. Well, Heart of the Praxic Fire is for Sunsingers, right? True. Yeah. There's also a Praxic Thunder item, so that, that kind of implies um, the arc damage type. But anyway... Yeah, again, a bit of speculation. Right. Okay, so, and, we, and we've talked a bit about Ariana for a while since she's the one who kind of started this whole thing. And she is killed by Iryut via Toland, I say, because Toland is the one who drug her there to Iryut. Yeah, and it seems fairly likely that this was Toland's plan. Perhaps not initially. Perhaps he had the best intentions of trying to defeat Crota, but he wanted to hear the death song. He wanted he wanted to meet a death singer, and he seemed fairly happy. He he, he seemed okay with um, sacrificing Ariana in order to achieve that. Yes, <laughs> he doesn't really yeah. seem to. Um be too broken up about it. No. It's quite possible that Toland did that with the best of intentions. I'm I'm not saying that that's likely, but it's possible that he believed that somehow by facing Eyut, the two of them could sing the death song and escape death or become become one with death. So it might not have been that he was willing to sacrifice Ariana. I don't know. This all seems quite speculative, really. Yeah, I agree. This this is, and now we're kind of getting into Toland and yeah. um, his thing, which is a whole other episode. So the last two members of our fire team are Eris and Toland. I think it best for these two characters to just stick to what is relevant to the first photo Crota fire team events. Like let's talk about what Eris did and how Eris was at this time and not 
include the information of like who she turns into in the dark below. I think I think that's fair. You know, these these are two very complex characters, and they are the only characters that carry on after the events of the first Crota Fire Team end. So, Eris Hunter, we don't know what kind of hunter, seems to be possibly a newer hunter. I'm not. I kind of got that feeling, but I don't know that I actually have any evidence for that. Yeah, I I don't know. I think that's a reasonable guess, but you're right. We don't have any evidence for that at the moment. So she helps. She's with Ariana from the beginning. We don't know how the two of them got together during, after, around Mare Imbrium, but they seem to be working together from the beginning. It's the two of them that tried to figure out what to do before they sought Toland. Right. Uh, So one thing we know about Ares is that um, during her time uh, in the Hellmouth, she um, managed to be separated from her ghost, which is something that's, I think, fairly new or fairly rare in the grimoire. The only other mention we have of something similar is in Ghost Fragment Warlock 2, um, where there's the the line about Crota killing a guardian with a screaming knife hammered out of his own ghost. So it's clearly possible, um, but during this process or during these, this set of events when Air, um, when Eris is separated from her ghost, she still manages to survive. Yeah, and, and that's really interesting because in the game as we play it, our, our ghost seems fairly invincible and we never really seem to encounter a situation where we're in any serious peril. You know that there's never a point in the game, there are darkness zones where we can't be resurrected but we, there's never a situation where we, we we could be killed permanently. Right. Maybe that's something that we've learned from because it's happened to, to more than one person. I mean, we've had more than one guardian become permanently dead. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe that's something that you just learn to keep your ghost hit safe from... Mm-hmm being killed by something. <laughs> <laughs> so so our ghost has perhaps learned from all these guardians uh, that have, that have died that you know you've got to, you've got to stay close to your guardian. Right, don't like make, yeah. float around. Make sure you stay make sure you stay in the backpack the entire time. <laughs> right, only come out to use as a flashlight. <laughs> Don't just hang out and try to pick a fight with a thrall yourself. <laughs> I'd like to see that. That would be pretty funny, actually. Destiny 2, our, our ghosts can fight. All right. So, um, shall we talk about Toland? Sure. Well, we, we've kind <laughs> of we've we've talked about Toland in context of other of the other um, players in this. Um, fire team. Is there anything else about him that's relevant specifically to this event that needs to be said? I think I think we've already covered pretty much everything that we that we need to know about Toland, and that is that he he does appear to want to help to defeat Crota, but. If not his primary goal, at least at least fairly high on his list of priorities, is simply trying to understand more about the hive, particularly more about the Death Singers. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay, well, anything else that we feel like needs to be said about the crow to fi first Crow to Fire team? So, sorry, the, um, yeah, sorry. no, you go on, Norman. I was just going to say, you know, effectively, we have two survivors, if you want to think about it that way. Eris does make her way back. Tolan sort of still exists, although he's made the sacrifice um, to learn the Death Singer song and has effectively um, left the, the mortal realm. Um, and we will encounter him later. But, um, it, you know, the way that it's set up, you know, maybe this is good storytelling, but, it, you know, it wasn't the original intent of this fire team um, to really gain any other insight or, or to do anything beyond just getting there and killing this god, and, and they've failed in this regard, um, yet we've actually, in the long run, we have a huge benefit um, with all of the insight that we gain from Toland. So I think this kind of shows that, again, we're getting outside of this story of the Crota's End fight, but um, this long long-term storyline and trajectory of where things are going. Um, this was a, a, a large um, part of the, the plot and the lore that actually opens up as a result of, of this failed fight. What, what I think is interesting is that if Ariana hadn't organized this fire team, and if Eris hadn't been the sole survivor and made her way back to the tower, she wouldn't have been able to warn us that the ritual to summon Crota was taking place and we wouldn't have been able to stop it in time. And if Crota had returned to the physical world, he would have been a far more powerful adversary than he was within his throne world. And I think that's 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 really cool. You know, they like the the fire team failed in in their goal, but they succeeded in bringing us enough information that we were able to defeat Crota. Right. Interesting. And I think it bears pointing and pointing out, since we're talking about how things are set up, that the reason that Eris was able to escape is because we opened the door in the original storyline when we first go to the moon. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, so, so that we kind of we, Eris helped us to defeat Crota, but we helped her too. You know, maybe she doesn't think about it that way, but it's nice. It's kind of a nice um, story writing to set it up that way. You know, we went to the moon, we opened the door, Eris is able to escape because the doors are now open. They're not sealed, right? And then she mm -hmm. helps us to defeat Crota. So it's nice that it weaves that together that way. Right. Yeah, that's cool. So this is the, the summary that we currently have on the first Crota fire team category. At Mare Imbrium, a host of thousands of guardians came united to retake the moon and were mercilessly slaughtered by the seemingly invincible Crota and his army of knights. Following this great disaster, Ariana III and Eris Morn sought to find another way to kill Crota. They consulted Toland the Shattered, the exiled master of Hive Arcana, who told them the Crota existed in another reality, one where he could be defeated. Beltalo, Omar Aga, and Sai Mota, along with Eris, Ariana, and Toland, 
embarked on an expedition into the depths of the high fortress on the moon. They were all believed to have perished in the Hellmouth, but, after many years, Eris Morn returned without her ghost, having somehow survived amongst the hive, with tales of her fire team's failures and the demise of her comrades at the hands of Crota's disciples. The other fire team members are presumed dead. So is there anything in there that we think, based on the discussion that we've had, is either incorrect or, or could be expanded upon or, or changed in some way? No, but we have a pretty bad run-on sentence. <laughs> yeah, we have a few of those. <laughs> and so that, should I, probably be capitalized. Should Fireteam be capitalized as well? Well, I didn't capitalize it because I don't know. Destiny capitalization is weird. There's so many places where I'm where where things are capitalized where I wouldn't really expect them to be capitalized. So let me find. Yeah, well, moon should be capitalized because we're not talking about a moon. We're talking about the moon. Mm -hmm. It's called moon. So I'm just having a look through a bunch of um, grimoire cards. It seems like generally fire team is capitalized, but not always. In the Trials of Osiris card, it is a lowercase f. But in pretty much every other card that I can find, so actually in the in the Crotus Bane card, it says Eris Morn is the sole survivor of an ill-fated raid on the Hive's Lunar Fortress. It was Eris and a ragtag fire team, etc. And fire team is capitalized there. So yeah, I guess we should capitalize fire team. And that's true of the of the title as well. I can't edit the title. <laughs> So I would, in that second-to-last paragraph that they were all believed to have perished, I would just put a period after Hellmouth, take after take out the word but, and then just start the next sentence. After many years, Eris returned without her ghost. That's two sentences. I think that's okay. Cool. So one of the one of the claims that we've made is that the other fire team members are presumed dead. So we obviously we know that Eris survived. Did Toland survive? I would say yes, in some capacity, because we still get transmissions and or messages from him throughout the rest mm -hmm. of the game. So, they were all believed to have perished in the Hellmouth. That's fair to say. Mm -hmm. As far as the Vanguard were concerned, they presumed that these guys were all dead. Irish returned without her ghost... Tales of her fire team's failure and the demise of her comrades. She probably expects that Toland was dead as well. But yes, what should we say? I guess we can add a new paragraph. Well, I, I think we can still say that they are presumed dead. I think I don't know that the Vanguard has changed their stance on thinking that Toland is dead. Mm -hmm. We don't have any That's evidence true. that they've changed their opinion. We, as as players outside the game, know, or you know, that he, we have these messages from him and and things. But it's hard to decide how much of that of the grimoire is available to the vanguard 
or if it's just available to us as players. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Right. That does make sense. I would presume, my presumption has always been that the, the Grimoire was available to the Vanguard. But... But that doesn't Maybe necessarily that's... mean that they've changed their stance. I mean, yeah, we know that. I mean, every all kinds of government organizations, Vanguard, Speaker included, as well as real life, you know, things. They don't. They might know things, but they change. They don't change their public stance. Yeah, that's that, that's their official position. Right. Okay. So, but but we could add something to say that that we believe that Toland is still around in some capacity, as, as, as I think Norman put it. Mm-hmm. Is that worth adding? If we um, think it's not too much speculation, I mean, I, I think the assumption is he is in the Hive Ascendant plane, but we we have no way of actually knowing if that's real, if, if that's just, um, you know, he's somehow leaking information over time versus him actually being... Uh, still a consciousness somewhere. And is that something that belongs on this summary, or is that something we should put on the Toland summary page? Right. Well, I think it's it's related to this. I, I, I could be persuaded either way, but I do think it's related to this because it's because of his experience during this raid that he was able to I don't know if it's from understanding the death song or from hearing it or from becoming part of it, but something happened that allowed Toland to be able to, to reach the ascendant plane or wherever he is. Right. As a result of this, but I don't know that that's something that, that is relevant to the summary of the events of the, I mean, this summary is about the events of the first Code of Fire team. That kind of happens afterwards. Well, that's true. But then by that, by that same argument, then we shouldn't mention that Eris escaped. If, the, if, this, if this story ends with the failure, then I think this is, this is a short summary. But I think it's, I think it's important to mention that, that you know, this, this event had a lot of it, it it has a lot of implications it's quite possible we don't know what the balls of light are during the our trip to the dreadnought and to phobos and wherever else but it's possible one of the theories is that that is toland right if it is toland then the only reason that toland is able to help us defeat oryx is because of what happened during the the raid against Crota, so I think, it, you know, I, I I definitely think that Toland's current position is a, an important part of this category. Sure, I I follow that. I don't know what exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I can just write. Toland was also believed to have perished in the Hellmouth, but with the arrival of Oryx, Guardians 
Um, how can I say this? Tolan was also believed to have perished in the Hellmouth, but with the arrival of Oryx... Evidence has surfaced that he exists on another plane, because that's kind of what our assumption is, right? That he's in the Ascendant plane. Yeah. Tolan was also believed to have perished in the Hellmouth, but with the arrival of Oryx, evidence has surfaced that he exists... Another plane. Is there more? Let me just look for the that particular category. So I'm just looking through the uh, messages from Torland category to try and find. So he describes it as the overworld. So Torland was also believed to have perished in the Hellmouth. But with the arrival of Oryx, evidence has surfaced that he exists on another plane that he describes as the overworld. Mm, maybe not the best written sentence. Yeah, the, the hard part is the description of the ascended plane or overworld. I wonder if we could make it more about the fact that we receive messages from him mm-hmm. um, or or have, you know, to some degree have received communications from him. Yeah, okay. Toland was also believed to have perished in the Hellmouth, but since the arrival of Oryx, we have received a number of messages from Toland. Sure. And that link that links to the messages from Toland category, which has more information about about those messages. Perfect. I like it. Okay, so that covers everything that we plan to go through on this episode of the Ishtar Collective podcast. Again, you can find us at ishtar-collective.net and on Twitter at ishtar-coll that's ishtar-c-o-l-l thank you very much for listening and thank you Purple Chimera and Normal Norman and also thank you to My Ninja Hates You for editing this episode of, of our podcast 